When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the navigator who crossed the ice walls and the story behind this map. Labeled as fiction, this story revolves around a gentleman named William Morris and his crew who fought for the Continental Navy in the Revolutionary War. It was a crew of six men on their vessel, but the only characters they talk about are Mr. Morris and a gentleman named Captain Butler, the captain of the ship throughout the war. Towards the end of the conflict, William Morris explains that one night, while on whiskey, the gentleman started telling naval stories. He had been disregarding the rest of the crew's stories until Captain Butler chimed in. And he talks about lands beyond the Arctic Circle. Throughout his military career as a naval captain, he had heard from the highest of high ups that there was actually a passage through Antarctica to get to these lands. And that it's possible that these lands may even be inhabited by civilizations. Well, once he started talking about this, Mr. Morris was captivated and he couldn't stop thinking about it for the rest of the war. So he talks to the crew and the captain to see if they're on board, and after the war, he buys a naval sailing vessel. The crew decided that after the war, they were gonna seek out these lands beyond the ice wall and find the passage that led to them. When they initially made the decision, they had no idea what they were in for. Before they left, something strange took place. It was November 12th, Captain Butler disappeared, and then a gentleman showed up and warned Mr. Morris not to take the trip. Morris was told that it wasn't in his best interest to take the trip because a certain organization didn't approve of it. So he met with the rest of the crew. Nobody knew where Captain Butler was and they figured without his guidance, they shouldn't take the trip. Then November 14th, the day they were supposed to leave rolls around and Butler comes smashing through Morris's door with a bunch of maps and said, let's go. Butler explains he had to disappear because they knew he had the maps and they knew he knew how to get to the outer lands. So Morris and Butler gather the rest of the crew and they depart, leaving Charleston Harbor. Behind me, you'll see a map of what is said to be our land, Earth, or the known lands. They figured it'd take them around six months from the day they departed to get to the passages in Antarctica. And they were correct. After one stop in South America, they made it to the first passage, the Morris Strait. This would time them up perfectly. It would bring them to the passage around late spring, early summer, because in the winter they were impassable due to being frozen. So they're sailing close to the wall, which they claim to be around 90 to 100 meters tall, and they get pulled in by a current to the passage, and it spits them out in the black waters of the outer lands. This is the legend of the navigator who went beyond the ice wall. The following is for entertainment purposes only and is based on a fictional account. In the late 1700s, shortly after the Revolutionary War, a Continental Army soldier bought a boat and was going to take a trip to Antarctica. This gentleman's name was William Morris, and he convinced some of his fellow soldiers that he fought alongside, along with Captain Butler, to man the ship and take the trip with him. See, these men were all part of the Continental Navy, so running an old sailing vessel wasn't nothing new to them. So after a few delays, around November 14th, they took off and they headed south. On the way there, they would only make one stop in South America to re-up on supplies for the trip. The waters were cold and frigid and a little rough along the way, but eventually they made it 
to the ice wall. According to the account, it was much more than just wanting to see Antarctica that brought them down there. Their real mission was to go beyond the wall and see the 33 alleged continents. As they sailed along the wall, they couldn't believe the actual size of it. It was much bigger than they ever imagined. The only one that didn't seem surprised is Captain Butler. It was almost as if he had been there before. It was now late spring, early summer, and some of the ice caps had already started to melt. They were sailing within a couple hundred yards of the wall when an odd current started taking their ship even closer to it. As they approached, the crew got more and more anxious. They began to wonder if they were going to collide with this massive structure. In some places, they claimed it was as tall as 200 meters. So as they sailed to the west along the wall, everybody was on pins and needles, except for Captain Butler. His confidence could not be shaken, and it actually calmed the crew to an extent. They continued on, and the current was pulling them ever closer to the wall, when suddenly they reached an opening in the structure. It was at that moment when the current picked up and pretty much took complete control of the boat. At that point, they were at the water's will. This current eventually ripped them into the channel, straightened them out, and sent them on their way. They made it. This alleged passage is known as the Summer Gates, and they only open in the summer when the ice melts. Back in those days, it was very odd for somebody to actually know about the Summer Gates. But because of Captain Butler stumbling upon some ancient maps, they were able to discover them. The crew was hooting and hollering in triumph as they passed through the channel and into the black waters beyond the ice wall. Two. The water was like nothing the men had ever seen before. They were so deep, they were black. After successfully navigating one of the summer gates, Captain Butler was getting ready to have a word with the men, when one of the sailors quickly descended from the crow's nest, yelling, they're coming towards us, it's something gigantic. As the crew redirects their attention towards the horizon, his feet hit the deck with a thud. The crew immediately notices a massive ship, and it's closing in fast. The craft was the likes of which nothing the crew had ever seen. It was made from a material they didn't recognize, and it was black as night. Their hearts pounded with fear as the unknown approached, but all the owner of the ship, William Morris, could think about was that their trip was going to be ended abruptly. We made it this far only to get cut short, he thought, but then Captain Butler reassured them that everything would be all right. Just stay calm. A sense of relief swept over Mr. Morris, but he was still fearful of what was to come. At this point, the ship was just a couple hundred yards out when suddenly a sound like nothing they've ever heard. It pierced the airwaves, almost bringing the men to their knees. Luckily, just moments later, the sound stopped. That's when a loud voice with a perfect English accent emitted from some kind of horn. Dear gentlemen from the walled lands, some of our men are coming down to approach your boat. Please remain calm as we will do you no harm. The message sent a chill down the crew's spine, unsure as to whether or not they were going to attack. At this point, they knew there was no escape. The ship was colossal. It looked as though it was something from the future. Again, Butler reassured the crew, acknowledging that he was aware something like this may take place. Three men appeared to be making their way off the ship onto theirs. These men were in uniform, and they had emblems on those uniforms. Emblems that they had never seen. Morris notices a large flag flying at the top of their ship. It was blue with a white circle in the middle. After helping the men up, 
Each of them shook hands, and one of the men introduced himself as the captain. Been a long time since we've seen someone from the known lands in these waters. What are you boys doing this way? Butler spoke out and claimed that they were sailing along the Arctic when a current brought us through the ice wall, and they figured they'd navigate it. As Morris was watching the conversation, he couldn't help but notice what seemed to be a certain camaraderie between Butler and their captain. Their captain looked back at the other two as if impressed with the feat. Well, sorry about our approach. It's protocol right now. Usually, we're much more welcoming to visitors. We don't know what happened to the last people that crossed the ice wall, but that doesn't matter at this time. Here's a map. This will take you to the safe lands. This last sentence didn't resonate well with the crew. Safe lands? Well, does that mean there's unsafe lands, they asked? Well, the lands where you come from are quite unsafe now, aren't they? Replied one of the sailors. You men will be fine, he continued. Just follow the map we've given you. But before they parted ways, William Morris had a question that he couldn't help but ask. Where do you come from, sir? From the Ancestral Republic, sir, replied one of the men. We understand that all you boys have questions, but there will be time for that, he'd add. As the three men boarded their ship, they retreated immediately, heads on a swivel as if they are looking for something. Unfortunately, the meeting left the men with more questions than answers, but Butler, as the assured captain he was, snapped them back to reality. Well, boys, full speed ahead to the Ancestral Republic. Let's go. They had been sailing for a while when the crew asked the captain what he wanted to tell them before the visit. He sort of dodged the question and said everything will be answered when we get to the Ancestral Republic, where it's safe. Remember, fellas, there's people that don't want us in these waters. Had it been someone else that we ran into earlier, this wouldn't have been the same result. We're lucky we got past the ice wall, and now we're headed to safe lands. Once to the Republic, they'll tell us about the situation. It's something more complex than we know. Fellas, the adventure has only just begun. We're in a war zone. It's time to realize that. What do you mean a war zone, they asked, who crossed the ice walls and the Ancestral Republic. It was a clear, dark night, and the waters were still. Beautiful lights illuminated on the horizon. The men were in awe. Captain Butler couldn't help but notice their fascination as they approached the Ancestral Republic. They decided that they'd vacate the unknown waters immediately, per the warning they got just a few days prior. The crew arrived at the port of this modern city, waiting to be received as guests. They couldn't help but notice the serene silence and peace that the city emanated, even though all were awake and it was bustling. They stood there for just a couple minutes, when several agents dressed in the same uniforms the men that warned them were wearing approached. Welcome to the Ancestral Republic, one of them said as he shook hands with Captain Butler. We're glad to have you here. To be honest, we didn't think that they were telling the truth when they told us of your visit. The fact that you are here is seemingly impossible, but not impossible. It's been many, many years, but we've had visitors of the like before. Butler introduced the crew and William Morris as the owner of the boat. They were jostling with excitement. Thank you. It's an honor to come to these unknown lands, said Captain Morris. But before he could continue on, the men said, Here, we need to take you to the Republic President. He wanted me to accompany you and Mr. Butler to see him, as your visit is unprecedented. A vehicle pulled up that they had never seen before. It was completely silent. They were amazed. There wasn't a street in the city that wasn't illuminated by beautiful great lanterns of which the electricity, they did not know the source. At first, the peace and quiet baffled them, but they quickly realized there were no carriages or horses. The agent that accompanied them had a luminous device 
that depicted pictures and spoke a different language which they did not know in his hands. They approached a beautiful stone building. Inside, marble walls that were cold to the touch. The gentleman with the mustache came out to greet Mr. Morris. He shook Morris's hand very tightly and said his name was Fayal. You are Mr. Morris from the USA, yes? He replied, yes. Then he proceeded to tell him, sorry about the times you came to visit because they are not good ones. Mr. Morris, we are in an extreme situation. We usually watch this war from afar, but now it has came to our doorsteps. Morris nodded, pretending to understand everything. You must not fully understand yet, but what we are is part of the old humanity, before the last reboot. Morris didn't understand. How many humanities exist or have existed, he asked. There were many humanities at different times, and many reboots. What's happening, my night got people? Hope y'all are doing well today. I hope that you guys are enjoying this story as much as I am. It's absolutely awesome. It gets the mind working. It keeps you on your toes. And what a fascinating theme, plot, storyline. You name it. It's crazy. I kind of left it at a climax on purpose because I want you to come back next time. Now, I have other stories on deck, but I need you guys to let me know. Do you want me to continue this story? And I guess that is obviously depending on how it does on the platforms, whether or not it gets a good amount of views or pushed or whether it gets held back, whatever. Um, it shouldn't. As I said, it is a fictional tale, but it's fascinating nonetheless. It gets the brain juices flowing at the end of the day. I mean, you know, it's talking about these people or humans that escaped the last reboot and i've had a theory about this you know with the mud flood and everything tartaria tartarians i've been thinking a lot about it lately if in fact it is true about tartaria and the tartarians the mud flood there's a lot of evidence to show that it did in fact take place with all the buildings that have been buried in 20 feet of mud, uh, technology they were alleged to have, universal electricity, etc. And in my pondering and thoughts, I kind of noticed something. Where are all the bodies of all of these people and Tartarians that were said to be a part of this mud flood. Wouldn't you think there would be mass graves? Wouldn't you think in said mud they'd be finding bodies or at least skeletal remains of them? I guess I would. I would assume that at the end of the day there would be evidence of the Tartarians. So the question lies where did they go where did all of them go very odd my first guess is obviously underground if y'all didn't see my reel where they found two massive caverns around the mantle of the earth check it out that's just one of the many theories i ponder i've been getting a lot of different suggestions from you guys in my messages and they're all awesome they really are i hope i can get to yours Keep keeping on, keep messaging me, keep finding good content, 
and I will do my best to present it to you guys. Just make sure at the end of the day, you stay positive, you manifest greatness, stay in the light, stay in the love, treat others how you want to be treated. It's very simple, guys. Hope you all stick around and continue to watch content from me, and I will be back for more real soon. May go live real soon, too. So stay tuned, y'all. I am out. What up, my people? Yup, it's that time. Back by popular demand. Y'all have been hitting me up like crazy for the story. I've been meaning to tell it for the last couple weeks. Well, it's here. This is the legend of the navigator who crossed the ice walls, part three. And if you happen to miss the first two, I'm gonna post the links to part one and part two in the bio, but a quick overview. The story starts in late 1776, shortly after we won the Revolutionary War against Great Britain. Focused around a group of men that fought for the Continental Navy. Throughout the war, while sailing the seas, the men would get bored, so they would tell each other stories. Well, one of the soldiers in particular, Captain Butler, told of lands that he thought may exist beyond the ice wall. Everybody had stories, but his in particular were rather intriguing to one gentleman named William Morris. So after the war, William Morris is presented the opportunity to buy the Navy ship that they fought on. After talking with the group, they decide, why not? They're gonna go on an epic adventure to find these lands that supposedly exist beyond the ice wall. These are the maps referred to throughout the story. They leave Charleston, South Carolina and set sail, sailing all the way around South America. And they eventually get here to the William Morris Straits. Their timing is perfect as they left that fall. So now it is early spring, summer, the ice melts, leaving this gate open and they flow through it to the other side of the ice wall. Once there, it doesn't take long for the action to start. A massive ship approaches them. It happens to be people that look just like us. They greet them. At first, they intimidate them. Then they greet them and they tell them to head to the ancestral lands, which are here. Upon arriving there, William Morris is presented an opportunity to talk to the president of the ancestral republic. They go there, everything's pure, everything's peace, everything's silence. Everybody lives on an equal plane. Nobody's better than anybody else. It's perfect harmony. That was of course until William Morris talked to the president and found out that they were people that actually escaped from inside the ice wall from a said reboot or reset. And that's pretty much where we left off last time as the president began talking about these said reboots. Now keep in mind, this is a tale of fiction. It is not to be taken literally. So viewer discretion advised. As always, y'all know the drill this is for entertainment purposes only. I'm not presenting this as absolute fact as it is a fictional tale. Nevertheless, it's a good story. It's intriguing and full of excitement. So sit back, grab your popcorn and enjoy the show. A reboot? What do you mean? Said William Morris to the president, President Fail. Well, let me put it this way, Mr. Morris. We of the Ancestral Republic are actually considered old humanity. We're from old times. Mr. Morris just kind of stares in confusion, pretending to understand, but really, he doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. See, Mr. Morris, I really don't have enough time to thoroughly explain everything, so forgive me if I miss some points, but we're going to go over this quickly. As times are tense and extreme, a war that's usually watched from afar is actually now on our back doorstep. But let me put it plainly, 
We aren't from the last reboot process, as there has been thousands since ours. Alright, hold on. Please explain this reboot. And you're part of what? Ancient humanity? I'm lost. It doesn't make any sense. Mr. President, as much as I'd love to say that I'm keeping up with you and completely understand what you're talking about, the truth is, I don't. What's this ancient humanity and how many humanities have there been? There's been many humanities at many different times, as well as many reboots and resets. These are set dates or predetermined times often as to when these resets will take place. The only reason it's done before these set times is under certain special circumstances. In other words, these are intentionally created. Okay, okay, said Mr. Morris. Now, please define said reboot. The president gets quiet for a second, then states, the reboot is a process they carry out in your lands. It can sometimes come in plagues, pests, wars, bombs, meteors, you name it. In fact, it could be all of those combined. You never know. Mr. Morris suddenly got dizzy and white as a ghost. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. He was absolutely mind blown. I'm sorry to break it to you like that, William, but I've got stuff I've got to do. Please take care of him, he said to an agent, and the president went off into his building. Mr. Morris headed back to the boat to let the guys know what he had just found out. After getting back to the boat and breaking it to the team, of course, they had numerous questions as well, and they were absolutely dumbfounded. They couldn't believe what they were hearing. Oddly enough, they all kind of went their separate ways on the boat and sat in silence. The old humanity, they carried this all out intentionally, who could be capable of such things, Mr. Morris thought to himself. As Mr. Morris was pondering this thought, a deafening sound emanated from the skies above. A large explosion went off in the water near the boat. Boom! They hit the deck instantly. The waves jostled the boat as if it was a piece of paper. Bombs going off all around them. The entire team hits the deck, waiting for the worst. Let's go, let's go, Mr. Morris says. The team gets up. They run up to see the cityscape. Everything is flattened. It looked as though it had been war-torn for decades. The only evidence that it wasn't was the fact that there were bodies lying everywhere. The men didn't understand what was happening. They had never seen such weaponry. It was much more advanced than anything they had back home. People were screaming and alarm was now activated throughout the city. There was a gentleman running around trying to calm everybody down. All Mr. Morris knew was they had to get off that deck. So they started making their way towards town when the guy trying to calm everybody told them to head to the president's office. So there they went. As they made their way, they tried to help as many people as they could. It was like nothing the Navy men had ever witnessed. Much more gruesome than anything in the Revolutionary War. They made their way past their brothers and sisters. They felt a connection with them. They felt for them. They wanted to help them. And anguish and anger fell over them as they saw innocent people die that day. And they watched the skies as small spheres with red lights darted around, dropping these massive bombs. They finally got to the president's office and were to safety. Mr. Morris looked up to the sky, begging for mercy. But it was a dark, reddish tone. As he glanced at the sun, it didn't hurt his eyes. It was much lighter. He then noticed that the moon was almost black. The odd spheres moved in all directions, faster than anything he had ever seen. They were so fast, it was almost as if they disappear for a second, then reappear. There was no order to their fighting. The president's building was full of wounded from corner to corner. Thousands died that day. William set out to look for Butler and the president. 
Morris wandered the entirety of the presidential building before he finally found Butler and the president. It was the first time that he had seen anguish on the president's face, and this concerned him. Morris yelled out loud to Captain Butler. Butler salutes, and the president still has a look of anguish on his face. He walks up, salutes President Fowle, and offers his duty. The president refuses as he looks absolutely stressed. He proceeds to try and ask the president questions, but realizes he's actually having a heated conversation in a small microphone. And that's when Butler states, we need the support of the Anakim. This attack was strategically planned. There's no going back now. We must go to war. Morris looks at Butler and states, the Anakim, are they? Yes, the giants. The Anakim are the giant warriors of the South, and they are the ones who liberated all those on the Ancestral Republic. Well, how did they liberate them? Well, they saved them from one of the Great Resets. According to the book, at a certain point in history, the oppressors of humanity were actually occupied with another war. This allowed for the Anakim to sneak in and help us. They taught us of more advanced technology, how to build pyramids, etc. And what's funny, just based on this book, even though it's a fictional account, it made me think, well, maybe that's kind of how it went. Maybe there is a faction that helps humanity with the pyramids like giants. It makes sense. Back to the story. Captain Butler tells Morris to get some rest, that he'll need it because they're going to embark on a journey to the island of the Anakim that he'll go round up the team and be ready. It's gonna be a unique trip to say the least. All right, y'all, hope you enjoyed that video. There you go, Navigator Who Crossed the Ice Wall, part three, and it continues on. Either way, this story is really cool, really fascinating. I enjoy it thoroughly. So I'm gonna finish it up quicker. I know I always say that, but I really am gonna finish this one up quicker. I'm gonna start posting probably four and five here within the week. I'm definitely not going to leave as long of a gap as I did last time. That's too long. But, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Stay in the love, stay in the light. Treat others how you want to be treated. And stay on this good content. I'd also like to say thank you guys for supporting me, having my back. This is wild. I am growing at an exponential rate on Facebook, and it's all because of you. Last thing. The move's going good. I'm almost done. That's why you kind of see the gaps in my content. I still haven't got my office made up. I'm really close. But regardless, I could still post videos, so I did. And I figured I'd treat you guys with the navigator across the ice wall. On that note, I never gave a shout out. I gotta give a shout out for this. Thank you guys for just cracking 300,000 followers on Facebook. I'm at 320,000 followers on Facebook, you guys. I still can't believe it. I'm mind blown. It's been a wild ride. Ups, downs, but mostly ups. You guys are the greatest fans that any guy could ask for. Thank you so much for everything you guys do for me. Being there for me, being loyal, being true, loving my content. Thank you guys. You're awesome. Also, a while back, I posted a video about the fact-checking thing on Facebook, right? Well... After I posted that video, I never told you guys, but Facebook was so kind as to give me a mulligan, give me another chance, and they took off the fact check strikes, took off all my 
monetization type violations. And I have zero at this point. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you so much. You guys have been awesome. I love working with you guys. Your platform is amazing. Your audience is amazing. It's broad. It's big. And, you know, the possibilities are endless. I never, un ever, ever, ever imagined Facebook being as colossal as it is with the video sharing of it. I had no idea people watched so many videos on Facebook. So thank you, Facebook. You guys are awesome. I guess that pretty much about wraps it up. Thank you, guys. Navigator Across the Ice Walls Part 4, within the week, hopefully. All right? I got other stories to share as well. A lot of good other stories. There's a lot going on right now. Um, more than enough awesome content to follow and share with you guys. So be ready. It's going to be lit. I love y'all. Stay in the love. Stay in the light. Treat others how you want to be treated. I am out. The following story is for entertainment purposes only and is derived from fiction, not to be taken literally. Well, what if I told you in this story, this is our reality and this is our universe. A story that consists of 178 different worlds or realms surrounded by firmaments. And of those 178 worlds, all of them are surrounded by one massive firmament known as the First Dome. And in this tale, our world is located here and they call them the Known Lands. And these Known Lands, aka Earth, is surrounded by a massive ice wall. And outside that ice wall, there's 33 continents. This is the reality for humanity in this epic tale known as the Navigator Who Crossed the Ice Walls. Legend of the Navigator Who Crossed the Ice Walls, part four. Quick overview, group of Continental Army soldiers after the Revolutionary War sail around the tip of South America, all the way to Antarctica. It's here, they make it through the summer gates. They end up outside of the ice wall and they run into a whole nother faction of humans that live on the Ancestral Republic. These humans claim to be from thousands of years ago before the last Great Reset, or possibly the Great Tartary. They claim to be saved by a giant race known as the Anakim. Saved from who you might ask? The Custodians, a race that's been oppressing mankind for thousands of years. What's more is throughout these thousands of years that humanity has lived in the known lands, we've been reset unknowingly hundreds, if not thousands of times. But the people from the Ancestral Republic are looking to liberate us and save us from the oppression we've been suffering. Of course, this is just a very intriguing fictional account from a story written probably hundreds of years ago. In part three, we left off where the alien faction and the spherical craft were bombing the Ancestral Republic. These beings are said to be allies with the Custodians who are always attacking the people of the Ancestral Republic, seeking revenge. The revenge they seek is the result of an impending war that took place in the Gnome Lands probably close to four to 5,000 years ago, where the Anakim liberated them. They bred with them, and they created a race of hybrid beings that were more powerful than the world has ever seen. But that's for later in the story, so let me continue where we left off. Don't forget, family, this is for entertainment purposes only. This is a fictional tale. It is not to be taken literally. I'd like to apologize for being a little later than I thought. I was hoping I could get it done last night, but this episode took me longer than expected. Nevertheless, Night God family, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and enjoy the show. William, 
William, get up. It's time to wake. We gotta go. Mr. Morris jolts awake. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To the sound of Captain Butler's voice, he had literally just managed to grab some shut-eye after tossing and turning for quite some time. They're back, William. We got to get out of here. William was looking around. He was at the president's office, but there was nobody to be found when previously there had been thousands of people wounded and seeking shelter. Upon exiting the building with haste, William immediately ran into his old crew from the Revolutionary War. A huge feeling of relief fell over him and they embraced each other as they were experiencing this whole adventure together so it built some sort of camaraderie between them. The embrace was short-lived, and before you know it, they all found themselves staring up at the sky at the orbs, and they were moving in for the attack. Morris and his crew were awestruck. Then all of a sudden, on the other side of the sky, another type of craft entered the view. There's the cavalry, said Butler, and that's when a large group of triangle-shaped craft that also seemed white or reflective moved in on the spheres. All of these craft began fighting in a style that Morris never deemed possible. It was almost as if they would disappear and reappear in an instant. They were moving so fast, it was like they were jumping through a hole in space-time. And the triangle-shaped craft were much faster than the sphere-shaped craft. They were running circles around them. The triangle-shaped craft are ours, said Butler. After moving outside the ice wall, we were able to manipulate technology and bend it to our will. And now... We're just as far ahead as the next alien faction. Our potential is limitless, William. Don't ever underestimate what you're capable of. Now let's go, said Butler. We got a ride to catch. You can still hear bombs going off in the distance. As they got to the craft, one of the agents standing at the door jokingly said to Butler, We're about to leave without you. Ah, you'd miss me too much, said Butler. And they proceeded to enter the craft. William and his crew were absolutely astonished as they seen the sleek, smooth-to-the-touch, beautiful machinery. It was thousands of years ahead of anything he ever saw back home in the known lands. Better strap in, fellas. The first ride in one of these things is a doozy. Captain Butler and the other agents laughed out loud, and the crew looked at each other with concern. Slowly, the craft lifts off the ground, but as it ascends, it gains speed. Faster, 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 and that's when one of the crew members suddenly passes out. Then goes another, and another, then another. Captain Morris fought it as hard as he could. He started to get dizzy, and then he overheard a small conversation between Butler and one of the agents. He could just make out what they were saying and wanted to ask a question, but he was in no condition, and that's when he blacked out. These episodes only lasted a few seconds. But what was odd throughout the ascent, Mr. Morris had heard Captain Butler speaking to an agent about a certain poisoning or poison. And even after he went out and woke up, he was too dizzy to really engage with him about this said poisoning, but he was listening nevertheless. 
Eventually, they got to their elevation, and things began to plane out. And it says that William noticed that it was almost as if they were following a certain track or a one-way roadway in the sky to get to their destination. He also goes on to note the beautiful landscape, the colors, the absolute beauty of it all reminded him of the Garden of Eden. Then he goes on to say that there actually is lands known as the lands of Eden. While he's observing the beauty of these lands beyond, he continuously listens to Captain Butler talk about this said poisoning or this said virus, if you will, that was given, but he didn't understand what he was talking about. So he eventually got enough courage to literally stand up on behalf of him and his crew. And he walked right up to Captain Butler and more or less demanded that he tell him what he's talking about. Are you sure you're prepared for the answer of this, William? Said Captain Butler. Yes, I have to know. Captain Butler looks at his fellow agents and then looks back at William and begins his story. It starts many years ago when one of the greatest civilizations to inhabit the known lands had occurred. And this civilization had an all-out war with the custodians. It was a gruesome battle. Many casualties, many sacrificed. At times, we thought that maybe, just maybe, we were going to win. Until the custodians formed an alliance. And this alliance was too powerful. They drove us out of the known lands. But not all of us made it out. Many were left behind. And in order to keep us suppressed and at bay, the custodians instilled something. A poison or an altering of the DNA. They've recently attempted to drop it on our ancestral lands, but we regulate our skies too well. They don't stand a chance, but they are still dropping it over the known lands. The virus starts with one generation, and then they instill it into one or two generations after that one. Then it will be passed down genetically. But the major and most important problem with that instance of humanity, that super advanced, powerful instance of humanity, was the fact that they had unrestricted age. Like Noah in the Bible, many of them lived 500 to 1,000 years. This wasn't ideal for the custodians. It allowed for that civilization to become too powerful and too advanced, to learn too much. Mr. Morris had a look of anguish on his face. Yes, William, said Captain Butler. You have it instilled in you. This virus only allows you to age nearly half of what I age. 250 to 300 years. Your lives are cut short, only allowing for you to have flourishing years of maybe 20 to 40. Your people are required to advance much, much quicker and establish themselves quicker than mine. You can see the anger in William's face and his crew's. I'm sorry to tell you this, William, but it's the truth. William came back with, is there anything we can do? What can we do about this? Well, we're working on it, said Captain Butler. We're working on it. William and his crew settled down and kind of sat in silence the rest of the trip. A trip that would eventually bring them to the moving islands of Thoth. And this is where Captain Butler's family lived. And this is where they'd spend the next couple of days. Well, there you have it. As always, for entertainment purposes only, this is a tale of fiction. But an intriguing one to say the least. Somebody thought really elaborately to instill and... and follow such an insane storyline 
I absolutely love it. Keeps me entertained. I hope it keeps you guys entertained. The next round is going to tell about the Anakim and how apparently in the story humanity possibly teams up with the Anakim at a point in history. I don't want to spoil it, so I'm going to stop there. But I hope you all enjoyed it. You guys always begging me. You guys are always pushing me to share the Navigator across the ice walls. But between this Navigator story and the next one, I am going to put in a couple more. But between this Navigator story and the next one, I am going to tell a couple more stories along the way, as I usually do anyway. But uh, yeah, I got some good content coming up, guys. So make sure you stay tuned. As always, stay in the love, stay in the light. I am out.